I just can't get out of 1 Corinthians 2. I've tried. Uh, I tried to get to 3 and I came back to 2. <laughs> um, as I've said, there's just an absolute abundance in here. And um, he just wants to keep giving us more and more and more. And, you know, it's, it's fully possible to develop an appetite for more and more and more. And I'm discovering in my own walk, like Haley shared with her testimony, there's, there is a substance, it's him in us, where it's just, it's, it's too much. It's almost like, my goodness, you know, is this for real? Is, is this to be our reality that I can experience? We can experience such an abundance that it's uh, too hard to contain. And it just wants to flow. And, and the answer to that is, yes, there is. And this is why I can't get out of 1 Corinthians 2, because, you know, like, I thought, oh, I'm going to read a, a series of, of passages, but then I'm going to come back just to one verse, because I couldn't get past one verse. But what I want us to do, I want us to hear and see the picture that Paul is painting, because there is a reality for us in the Word of God. Yes? So the Word of God is describing, however you want to call it, I call a reality, realm, truth. God, The Word of God describes a living reality for not only describing who God is, but, but who we are in Him. And so He's declaring a living reality. And so Paul's writing from this living reality because it's been revealed to him, and he puts it in his Bible for us to come into are you tracking with me? So a little bit like this. Imagine I'm describing the warehouse, and I've been to the warehouse, but none of you have yet been to the warehouse. And I've been there, and I describe the building to you. I describe where it is, what it looks like. Um, I enter in. I describe the service that I've had there, the, the bargains that you can get at the warehouse, because apparently everyone gets a bargain um, at the warehouse. And I come back, and then I start sharing with you about my experience at the warehouse. But none of you have been the warehouse yet. None of you even know the warehouse exists. And the, so there is a reality that someone has experienced, and this person comes back and shares it with everyone else, so everyone can go down to the warehouse and get a bargain. Whatever the shop is, I'm just using that as an analogy. And this is the same for the Bible. So God, because the Word is from God, inspired by God, and it's all profitable for us. And so God describes his reality for us, yes, and who he's calling us to be. Not who we determine who we're going to be, but who he determines who we're going to be. And it's phenomenal uh, because the Bible says that there is all these things freely given to us. So let's have a look at this. Let's read this. 1 Corinthians 2 verses 12. It says this. Now we have received... Not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. So we haven't received the spirit of the world, but we received the spirit which is from God. If we're a follower of Christ, we've been adopted and received the spirit from God. Why? For what purpose? Well, he's about to tell us. So that. Every time you see a so that, stop. And take heed of what you're about to read. Don't just go, oh, you say that, blah, 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 blah. No, no, stop and go, he's trying to communicate something to me. So God has given us the spirit of the world, sorry, the spirit of, of, of him, his own spirit, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. 
So God's given us his spirit so we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Verse 14, but a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Then come with me to three. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of the flesh, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you are not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not yet able, for you are still fleshly. For since there, since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly, and are you not walking like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not mere men? Can we hear what Paul is describing? Can we see? What Paul is describing. If I asked you to paint the picture, would you be able to paint a picture of what or write down the picture that Paul is saying? So I want to give you four things that define the picture of what he's saying. The first thing is God has given us his spirit for us to know the things freely given. They're given. It's a given. It is finished. So God gives us his spirit, his Holy Spirit, to help us come into, to know, not just know about, to know, to know, to know, to know the things that are freely given to us by God. That's number one. These things, number two, that are freely given are taught to us by the spirit and not the agency of man. So the things that are taught to us, they're taught by the Holy Spirit. The things that are freely given to us are taught by the Spirit, not through the agency of man, not through man's ability to, to speak it forth. The Spirit speaks through man, but it's still the Spirit that teaches. Hence, when was the last time the Holy Spirit taught you? You'd know it because you'd be doing a jig and a dance. When the Holy Spirit teaches, when he reveals something in us, to us, it births incredible life. So that's the second thing. The third thing is a natural man doesn't accept or understand the things that are freely given. They are foolishness. So a natural man, a man of the flesh or woman of the flesh, they don't understand these things that are given. And they are foolishness. And we've been talking about that, haven't we? God takes the things that are not and he makes them are. He takes the things that we build upon and he demolishes them. And he says, this is what you build upon. So it says a natural man doesn't understand or, or accept the things. They're foolishness. We write them off. And then the fourth thing is a natural man stays immature in their faith and infant in Christ. 
So if we don't understand the things that are freely given to us by God because the Holy Spirit is teaching us, then we will reject them, we don't accept them, we don't understand them, we think they are foolish, and we stay as babies. Does God want us to stay as babies? Do you and I, if we have children, want to stay, our children stay as babies? No. So this is a phenomenal. Okay, now come back to, to verse 12. Because each chapter, each verse is building upon itself, isn't it? See, we have to realize that each verse is building upon the next verse, upon the next verse. And each chapter builds and it builds. So a story is being painted. This is why it's so hard to be able to just stick to one verse because you're dying to get to verse 13 because it defines verse 12. And verse 12 is defined by verse 11. And so you just give, give a nugget size, but it's like, oh, and there's this wrestle because it all defines. So by the time you get to verse 15, that's defining verse 12. So we as his people, as we are meditating on his word, need to see the picture that is being painted and being building. And I hope you can see this picture because over the next weeks, as we just look at verse 12 today, we're going to hit verse 13. And verse 13 will bring understanding to verse 12. Then we're going to hit verse 14. Then we're going to get into 3 and go, well, can you see the reason? If we don't understand it from here, we're going to be infants. If we don't get this nailed down, there's no way we're going to be the people we want them to be. Then what about when you get into chapter 7 when he starts talking about marriage? See, if you don't learn here, you're not even going to understand when you get to here, and you're going to think that's complete foolishness, and you'll disregard it. Can you hear what I'm saying? So we must be people of his living word if we're going to become the people he calls us to be. And Paul is saying there are things for you guys that are freely given. They are freely given. And that's what I want to look at. So it says in verse 12, Now we have received not the gift of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. How much of the knowledge we have has come from the Spirit of God? That's a question. I would write that down, and I would... Allow that question to go around in you. And how much of the knowledge that you hold is actually being revealed and taught to you by the Spirit of God? More than words, more than good ideas, I found your love in the open field. I didn't find it in a building. I didn't find it in religion. I didn't find it in textbooks. I I found it in the open field. There's something about those words. I didn't find it. In man's ability to find it, I found it in the open where the Lord was. I found it through relationship. And so we need to wrestle with this because, as I said, Paul says in 13 that I speak from being taught by the Spirit. So every word I write down is from the Spirit. Spiritual words with spiritual thoughts, spiritual sight. That's how we must receive His words. One of the Spirit's functioning roles is to teach us. We talk about comforter. Yes, awesome. Counselor. Yes, great. Teacher. To teach and to lead and to disclose, to bring to life what is there in us, to us, so it can move through us. So what are the key words in that one verse? Receive the Spirit of God. 
first key words, so that, no, things freely given. So if you've received the Spirit, you've received the full potential to know the things freely given. To live with a joy that's not determined by circumstance, situation, problem, and have it in you and live from it. The key point to this whole talk is God has given us his spirit for us to know the things freely given us. Isn't that a privilege? Isn't that an honor? That Jesus died, rose again, and then sent the spirit of God to lead us into all truth. And truth makes us free. Listen to what Jesus says to his disciples in Matthew 13, verses 10 to 12. And the disciples came to him. Why do you speak to them in parables? Jesus answered his disciples. He says, to you, it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it has not been granted. For whoever has, to him more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has, shall be taken away from him. So he's looking straight into the eyes of his disciples, and he's saying, guys, you have been granted to know the mysteries of my kingdom. To those guys over there, it was prophesied that Isaiah would blind them. So although they see, they will never see. Although they hear, they will never hear. They will not understand. If they did, they would return to me and I would heal them. That's that category of people. But you, my people, have been given my spirit to know. I've granted you to know all. What a promise. See, times we spend so much time looking at the problem, and there's a promise on offer. We spend so much time looking at what we're not instead of looking at who we're called to be. We spend so much time on, oh, me, 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 and me, and we get consumed with me and our issues and our problems and our stuff and I don't know about you guys, but you never get free looking at you because it becomes all-consuming and you never get over you by looking at you. You get over you by looking at him and finding that place of crushing and finding that place of humility and finding that place of allowing him to come in and do such a work in the brokenness. When he humbles us, it releases hunger. Hunger for him when he humbles. When he allows us to go through, there's a humbling. And then a hunger gets birthed. And then we want to know the things that have been given to us. We actually have a hunger to know the things that have been granted to us. We actually have a desire now to know because something's happened. There's a transaction that's happened that's loosened us from us and attached ourselves to him. 
I had a conversation with my brother, my young brother in Auckland. We were at Carl Jr.'s near the airport, and he was just sharing his things after the golf game we played. And uh, I got bragging rights for another year, which is good because I lost the bragging rights for a year, and he loved it, bringing me up from England going, yeah, I got the trophy on the mantelpiece. And there never was a trophy, by the way. <laughs> he was winding me up. I said, where's the trophy? He said, there wasn't one. I was winding you up. Anyway, we were talking, and we were talking about the things that, you know, his life and, and our lives, and as I'm just sharing about God's saying and doing in me and showing and revealing the depth, the abundance of life, I could see him sort of almost looking paralyzed and like, what? And, you know, through his head is, is going the conversation and, and I'm painting a reality, I'm describing a realm and I can see him look at me going, right. And I just asked him a simple question. I said, is that your reality today, bro? He said, no. I said, do you want it to be? Do you want it to be? Because you've been granted to know. You've been given, freely given. The Holy Spirit, one of his key roles is to reveal, to teach what has been freely given. For us to live from what has been freely given. Why? So then we're able to bring glory to God's name and to be the demonstration of God on the earth. To see people like my friend who I work with commit their lives to Christ as well through the leading of the Holy Spirit. Phenomenal. So what are these things that we are to know, that we've been freely granted to know? Firstly, himself. Him. There's no shame looking like a fool. None when you know him. So him, he is love. He is truth. He is the very being of it. So the Holy Spirit's role is to disclose him in us and to us. What else, Greg? Who we are in him. We are called sons, our identity of a son. We have been called for royalty and to live our lives knowing what that means. To be an heir of the throne, no longer living as an orphan or a slave, someone of the flesh, but living as a son. Jesus is the perfect son, yes. We've received the spirit that was upon Jesus, yes which is the spirit of sonship, yes. So Jesus is the perfect model of what a son in God's kingdom looks like and sounds like, smells like, lives like, for we have been called to be an aroma, yes. And the Holy Spirit's role is to bring us into that reality so we're able to demonstrate the, what Christ demonstrated, yes. So when I talked about two weeks ago, do we have the mind of Christ when it comes to family? We're actually living from that realm because the Holy Spirit has led us into that realm. It's no longer foolish. It's wisdom. But to the man that can't hear it, doesn't accept it, doesn't understand it, it's ridiculous and impossible. But all things are possible in God. In my ability, sure, it's impossible because I can't change me and I can't change you. And I stopped trying years ago because I figured out it doesn't work. So identity, what is his will and his purpose for us as a people, as a body? Holy Spirit's been given the role to lead us to disclose of, as a body, not God, what is my individual purpose for my plan? No, 
God, what are you doing? What's your dreams? What is your will? And how does my life align to that with everyone else who's walking this out as a body, as a people, as a nation? His kingdom life that is to be in us, joy, peace, love, gentleness. It's called the fruit of the Spirit, that you live from this realm. You abide in Christ. He abides in you, and much fruit is produced in and through you, and you're just a branch that pops out fruit. You haven't made it. You haven't done it, but you say connected to the vine because the branch stays connected to the vine, and the life source of Christ, which he is the vine, through that moves through you, and naturally and innately and authentically fruit is produced. What about his ways in relation to the purpose of marriage, children, career, education, all those now things? Holy Spirit wants to come and reveal, disclose to us how he sees all those things, not how we've seen them and the purposes for them, but how he sees them so we can be set free and released disconnected, reconnected, and now live according to the way he sees. God, I look to you. Give me vision. Vision's not knowing him, loving others, walking together, although it is. Vision is seeing as God sees. If I can't see as God sees, it's foolishness to me. I'm not going to be a fool for you. That's foolishness. No, it's not. It's wisdom. See, it's so back to front, but the natural man, they will never accept or understand the things. And so we stay as babies. We're going to talk about that later on. So what about all his promises that are for the now? See, every promise is for now. The future promise is now. You may not physically, physically experience sitting on his throne now. In fact, you won't, although we are seated in heavenly places. But all the promises are for now. So come with me to Ephesians 1. I'm going to read you some of the promises that are for us. And I pray you're going to hear these with a heart of faith and a heart of belief. Okay, so here are three promises that are for us today. Ephesians 1 verse 15. For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among you and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you. He's talking to the Ephesian church, but he's talking to us. May give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. This is the same prayer that Moses prayed for Joshua. Verse 18. Okay? So there's one promise. I pray, he's praying, Paul is praying, that the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you, Ephesians, a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Whew. 
Okay, 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Here we go. So that you, again, not the person beside you, but you will know what is the hope of his calling. Another promise. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance? Another promise in the saints. Who are the saints? The church. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? Here's the key. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, not your own might, his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand. Resurrected life enabled a whole lot of things that have been given, freely given, for us to come into. There's about five promises in that those verses that Paul is looking to the Ephesians to say, this is for you. I know they're for you because I've received it. That's why I'm able to speak and write of it. Because I'm writing from what the Holy Spirit has taught me. Okay, come with me now to 2 Peter. This one is incredible. I shouldn't say that. They all are phenomenal. <laughs> so 2 Peter 1 verse 2. See, I just want to hear my heart. If we're not meditating on his word, there's a reality that exists, and you don't even know it exists. See, if I'm, if I'm filling my head with Liverpool magazines, it doesn't feed me. It might get me feeling good and emotionally upbeat until they lose, and then I go down again. Like at the All Blacks one today, eh? What's going to happen if Australia beats them in the final? Or Argentina get through? You see, are we dieting on what's in his word? Look, I love sport, and I get that. I get the highs and the lows, and all, so I'm not knocking that. But what I'm trying to say is, are we meditating? Because there are promises, there's food stores. I'm like, oh, is that for me? Uh-huh. Oh. So listen to this one. Grace and peace, this is 2 Peter 1, 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge again of God. Can you? This is everywhere. If you want to know why our vision is to know him, it's because the Bible says it so many times. I think the Bible is speaking of a reality. Man, to know the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him. That's why it's so important that we know who he is, not who we think he is. So once again, God has given us all this stuff so we can know him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Verse 4. For by these he, gra he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that... What? So that what? By them, his promises, you may become partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Having escaped your flesh. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the lust of man, the self. God has given us 
His power to do a divine work. The Holy Spirit has been given us. Why? To lead us, to disclose to us who we are in Him, which frees us from our lustful, selfish selves. His divine promises are given to enable and empower change. But Greg, I don't even know what they are. Well, maybe we need to start meditating and eating on him because he said, eat my flesh and drink my blood and ask the Holy Spirit to teach us, to reveal, to disclose within us so then we're able to live out the life. It's for everyone, everyone who is in him. Not the special ones, whoever they are. Not the ones with the titles. Everyone. And this is just a feast. This is why I want to do 10 till 10. I want to be able to release with others. Just release and just go, here's a whole lot of abundance food. And ask the Holy Spirit just to go, boom, because the heart is open and hungry and it performs a work. And we leave changed because there's been an interaction with him because the Holy Spirit has taught and done his work of building the church. Phenomenal. Okay, well come with me to Revelation 22. Revelation 22, because those first two, I hope you can hear, I'm going to try and describe this. When I say everything is for now, it's for now, yeah? So those first two I wrote are to change us now, but the one I'm about to read is also to change us now, even though physically it's not our now. That makes sense? So spiritually they're all for us now. Okay, so Abraham saw the city in the future, received it in his now. Jesus calls us to sit on his throne in the future for those that overcome, but you can receive that promise now and live by the power and the life source of that promise, which is future text, yes? But really it's now. It's a bit messy, isn't it? <laughs> it's not, it's actually... Okay, so let's look at this one. Revelation 22, 3. So this is in New Heaven and New Earth. There will no longer be any curse in the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it and his bondservants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. So Jesus, Philippians teaches us, was the bondservant. He came down to model something. Paul calls himself a bondservant. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate the Christ. The church is called to be bondservants, yes? Someone who has made a commitment and a decision to allow the Lord to be their master, their father forever, and we serve the will of the greater one, which is the Lord. So we're all called to be bondservants. So there's a promise for bondservants. In the future reality, minister to the Lord, serve the Lord, see his face. Does that sound like the bride? Does that sound like an intimate, close relationship? I think it does. The life that sits behind, see, it's a promise. I'm promising you a reality. But is it a reality today? And you can see the, the difference because I've, re, I've, I've read out probably in those three scriptures, there's probably, let's say, 15 promises. Are any of them being realized? In our own ability to, they won't be. 
But God has given us the spirit of himself to know the things that are freely given. And the role of the Holy Spirit, one of the roles is to teach and to disclose to us this reality. Because we are to be living from the realm of the promises. That must mean, though, we've got to be wrestled off and away from the smallness of our own lives, which really are small in comparison to what he has, but they can become huge to partake of these things. Because like my conversation with my brother, while those things are consuming me and while those things are my passion and while those things are my devotion and while those things are the love that's in my heart, I'm not looking on the other side of the fence as to what he's saying. I don't even know or I'm not even interested. But he says, if you love father, mother, son, daughter, wife, your own life more than me, guess what? You're not worthy of something. It just is what it is because we're consumed with us and not him. But he asks us and says, I've got all this. I'm a good, good father and I have all this. And he lays it out. And he just looks and says, I wonder if my people want what I want for them. But there has to be an unanchoring of ourselves. Otherwise, it's just foolishness. Whatever, that's for that person. Or that's for that person. Or you're fortunate because this, this, and this. I've been told I'm so fortunate I've got all this time to spend with the Lord. That's why you're in this position, because you've got all the time. Rubbish. Absolute rubbish. Oh, but you don't understand. You don't. Anyone else? It's like it's not determined by any of that stuff. It's determined by this and the desire. And he's going, guys, I have so much that's been freely given. It's to be so literal, it's quite scary. Here's the second point. We must possess the things freely given to us by God. We must possess the things freely given to us. Okay, so we're going to unpack that a little bit. Let me just read this. It's one thing to be given freely the things in Christ or to have been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom. But it's another thing to possess these things and live from them. Here's the problem, and this is the problem that we as his people, not all, but people like me and people that speak need to take account of. I believe we've only preached half-truths. So we only preach half the equation, not the full equation. So let me give you an example of of what that means. The Israelites were given the land, were they not? Okay, the land is yours. Here's everything that I have for you. It's given. They had to go possess the land for the whole picture to be completed. Okay, did they all possess the land, even though the promise was given to all? Even those that went into the land didn't actually possess what they were supposed to because they end up turning away from him. 
You see, so we say things as if they're complete statements, and you've got to hear me, they are, but, but, okay? So we say things like this, we have the mind of Christ, and we all go, we have the mind of Christ, and that's where it finishes. The challenge is, do you live from having the mind of Christ? So you can't just claim that and state that promise without possessing that reality, and now you live from it, okay? So Paul is saying we have the mind of Christ, but he's speaking to the Corinthians, isn't he? And in the very next chapter, he's, I can't speak to you about certain things. I can't speak to you about these things because you are yet to come into the mind of Christ. Otherwise, he can speak to them about certain things. Can you hear what I'm saying? So we have to possess. We have been given the technically, positionally, in Christ all. But the Holy Spirit's role now is to reveal that all. So we can't just sit there and go, well, I have the mind of Christ, I have the mind of Christ, and ye have the mind of Christ, and the mind of Christ not actively outwork our lives. We're in one half of a two-part picture. That's why... And we realize this because our lives don't reflect the scriptures, don't we? We realize this reality, but we keep preaching this reality over everybody to keep them domicized. That's not even a word, but that just came out of my mouth. That's a spiritual word. In the Hebrew, it means we never come into this life. You see, it's two parts. And so, yes, the Israelites, they were given. They were given before they even entered. And God said, I will be with you, I will go before you, and I will destroy your enemies. What a promise. What you need to do is walk in to the land. Don't be deceived and don't be you know, like confused by the things you're going to see because the people in there are massive and the fortresses are massive. I remember I've given you, but you must possess and you must do what I tell you to do when I ask you to do it. So Jericho is a beautiful picture of what I'm talking about. They're in the land and God says, right, I'm, I'm going to go before you. I'm going to do it. What I want you to do is walk around the city and blow a trumpet, and then you're going to go in and take. It's so phenomenal, but they, so they had to possess what was given. Same with the mind. So this is part of, this is why the, the point, I want to read it again, the second point to complete this message is we must possess the things freely given to us by God. Every promise that is in the word is our inheritance, but we have to possess the promise. Every promise that is in the word is our inheritance, but we have to possess the promise. So the land was their inheritance. He said, I'm giving it to you. Now go in and possess it. Take it. Live from it. Subdue those that are in the land. This is in the physical and the spiritual, God has given us the greatest battle is right here. But I've given you my spirit to renew, 
all this to bring you into the life that I call you into. How do we possess the things given to us? By the Holy Spirit teaching and revealing these promises in and to us. The Holy Spirit brings to life all things in Christ. John fourteen twenty six. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. Everyone say all things. Sandra spoke last week about the all. A three-letter word, which means so much. So much when I read scripture. Give me all, 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 give me all. So once again, the Holy Spirit, he's been sent in the name of the Father to teach us all things and to bring to your remembrance all that was said to you. How about John sixteen thirteen to 15? But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak of his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. It can't be any clearer than it is. And this is why he builds his church. Because I can't disclose it to you. And you can't disclose it to me. And just because we put on meetings and meetings and meetings doesn't mean any building's happening. So just because we come every Sunday and we are turned to doesn't mean anything's happening. We're just turning up at meetings. It can be a complete waste of time. And your life is the same as it was, and yet you've attended all these meetings and all these conferences and all these things and sung all these songs, but you're still you. <laughs> Why? Because our relationship with the Spirit is critical And the Spirit must be teaching us through the power of the Spirit. Otherwise, everything remains foolishness. And we stay as infants in Christ. But, but he has given us not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit of God. Why? So that we may know all the things freely given. That we would know who we are in Christ. Their identity would not be in another person. It would not be in a job. It would not be in finances. It would not be in a sport. It would not be in our looks. It would not be in our ability to sing, play. It would be in the only person, and that is him. Him and him alone. The Bible says, do not come short of the grace of God. Why? So that no Uh, offense has a chance to take root and cause bitterness and by it you defile many why do we get offended because we entrust our heart to people not to the Lord we trust in people instead of trusting in him which enables to trust people but when the person breaks the trust because my heart is trusted in him it doesn't alter. Now, there might be a process I go through, but that that break in trust doesn't affect me. Why? Because I'm not putting my trust in the person. 
I've entrusted. Jesus said, I'm not entrusting my heart to any man, for I know what is in man. I know the potential that lies within man to break that trust. So I'm not entrusting, E-N, entrusting my heart to man so I can love man. And when man messes up, and he will, love comes. And love comes to restore and to restore and to restore. So I'm able to trust man. And when man breaks that trust, I can actually put trust back to man because I was not entrusting myself to man. No hurt. Do you believe that's possible? That's why we don't give our hearts to anyone but him. If we give our heart to a spouse or a child, you run the risk of being hurt and crippled. Jesus said, I'm not going to entrust my heart to anyone. I'm going to give it to my Father. Holy Spirit's role has been sent to bring you and I into that reality. Don't come short of the grace. Why? So that no offense can enter into a root of bitterness and mess you up and by it defile many. You know what they did to me? You know what they did to me? Maybe, maybe not. But see, there's a reality that the Holy Spirit's been sent to bring the church into. Amazing. Amazing. And then for us, because the Holy Spirit's revealing all things within us, are able to demonstrate this life. So, once again, um, I'll just say this. How do we know if we've received this living manner? So, Greg, you're talking about truth that's revealed. How do we know if we've received it? We will sense a new life literally in us. So the analogy that the Holy Spirit gave me, and I've used this before, is when Danny got pregnant with Lily and Maddie, she knew. She just knew she was pregnant. Before any test, she said, I'm pregnant. I said, how do you know? I know. Because I know there's something's been deposited, and where there wasn't life, there is now life. And my body is telling me there is life. And as we know, as the life grows, physically, the body starts to change. So the body starts to change in an alignment to the life that's within that no one else can see because it starts in a seed form, doesn't it? So my wife is the only one that's experiencing this change on the inside of her. But in time, we all get to see the physical start to change. Do you realize that is the process in the spirit? When all of a sudden God reveals living manna, eat my flesh, drink my blood, you've received something because the Holy Spirit has taught you in you, you will sense the new life come, being born again in the spirit. New life is birthed doesn't matter how big the life is, but I sense a change. I've been born again. I've got an appetite for something I didn't have an appetite for. When the baby is born, it has an appetite for a food source it didn't have when it was in the womb. It's called a mother's milk. 
it naturally hungers and looks for the milk, doesn't it? It's not taught it. It knows. This is how you know if you're receiving living manna. It'll be in you, in you. And over time, you will physically, literally look different. People go, I can see a joy. I can see a rest. I can see a peace. And it can be demonstrated through Chris because it's living. Christ in us is the hope of glory. That's to be literal. It's not, oh, yeah, he's in me. And then I go and live as if he's not. No, Christ in me, the formation of Christ in me will cause me to live completely differently. Think, speak, act different. I'm flabbergasted that he would even want to do this through us. So, Father, I just ask again as we, as we gather and as we hear, not listen, but as we hear and see, Lord, Holy Spirit, just reveal, 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 Holy Spirit, reveal, reveal, reveal what you do. You've come to disclose the Father to us. Lord, you've, that was your role. You've come to teach us. So, Lord, I pray you would teach us through the words that have been said. I pray the word, the word of God, which builds faith, would come and invade our place. They would invade our heart and our mind. Lord, the word would come. Give us the ability to hear the word. So faith, the conviction to see the unseen would come. And, Lord, you're calling us as a people. You're calling us to the supernatural life, not to live as mere men, merely human beings, Father. We have the spirit of God, the creator of the universe, the DNA, the, the deposit of life. Life within us that causes life, Father. And so, Lord, I pray that you would, un- you would unravel and reveal to us and in us you and who we are in you and the revealing of that. Lord, if there are any blockages, I pray you would smash the blockage. I pray if there are any wrong mindsets, Lord, Holy Spirit, come and smash those blockages. Lead people on a journey of unraveling what that is that they can receive prayer and have them cut off so they're able to come into this reality that's for every one of us, Father. Holy Spirit, we just love you. Jesus, we love you. Father, we love you. And we want more of you, so we can glorify your name. So, Lord, as the word has gone forth, I just pray, Lord, Holy Spirit, do a work in every heart and mind. And may we wrestle with you for the reality that exists within you as one body and as individuals. I ask this in your name. Amen.